Welcome to Dismantling Injustice, powered by Envision Freedom Fund. I'm your host, Carl Hammett Lipscomb, and this month, we're looking at the issue of homelessness through the lens of criminalization, meaning the ways that homeless people are uniquely impacted by policing, detention, and incarceration, and also immigration, where we'll tackle the issue of the recent influx of asylum seekers that are arriving via bus from Texas and Florida. This week, we're joined by Jacqueline Simone from Coalition for the Homeless. We discuss homelessness under Mayor Adams, the sheer inhumanity of the NYPD's sweeps of homeless encampments, and what it would mean if we treated homeless people with dignity and respect. So stay tuned. Welcome back. We are joined today by Jacqueline Simone of Coalition for the Homeless. Thank you so much for joining us, Jacqueline. Thanks so much for having me. Just to start, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your work at Coalition for the Homeless? Yeah, so I am currently the policy director at the Coalition for the Homeless. I've been with the organization since 2014. Um, I previously worked as a journalist and then decided to make the switch to nonprofits, um, partially because I was just really struck by the visibility of homelessness um, that I passed on my way to work every day. And I started doing more research into the issue and learned that you know, what I saw on my daily commute was really just the tip of the iceberg when it came to this crisis. And that while we have thousands of people sleeping on the streets, there are tens of thousands of New Yorkers who are in shelters on any given night. And there are hundreds of thousands of New Yorkers who are just one missed paycheck away from losing their housing. So um, I felt compelled to switch into the advocacy space. And I've been doing this work at the coalition since 2014. Um, and I think that the strength of the coalition really rests in the fact that we provide both direct services as well as advocacy. So we have 11 direct service programs that meet people's needs for you know, job training and programs for youth and a nightly mobile soup kitchen that serves a thousand meals to homeless and hungry New Yorkers every single night, um, as well as many other programs and a crisis hotline. But then my job is to take the lessons that we learn from serving about 3,500 vulnerable New Yorkers every day and to use those lessons to inform our advocacy work. So I sometimes say that my mission is to put the coalition out of business, right? It's looking at the large scale policy failures that have led for so many of our neighbors to have to resort to, to our immediate services. Wow, that definitely resonates with me because we we say that about our work here at Envision Freedom Fund that we're trying to put ourselves out of business. You know, one thing um, that I know the coalition speaks about is the misnomer of quote unquote homelessness crisis, mm-hmm. um, and that you all believe that we should really be talking about a housing crisis. Could you say more about this? Yeah, I think that everyone acknowledges that there is a record level of homelessness in New York City and that we are at a crisis moment. But I think where there's disagreement is that people don't understand the causes of homelessness or the solutions. And I think that sometimes people will say things like, this is a really complex crisis. And it's not. I think that the lack of affordable housing and inaccessible mental and physical health care have caused our homelessness crisis. And if we want to actually reverse these trends and make a city where 
every single person has stable, affordable housing, we need to be investing in housing solutions at a scale to meet the need. And now some people might say, well, you know, there's a mental health component to this, or there's a substance use component to this. So they might say that we're naive and just calling for housing. And we've seen from decades of research that the key to breaking the cycle of homelessness for people who are grappling with those additional challenges like mental illness and like substance use is supportive housing. So that's permanent housing with on-site support services. We know that it's very challenging, if not impossible, for people to achieve their health goals and overcome those challenges if they don't have that stability of knowing where they're sleeping at night. And that's why we embrace a housing first model where people should be given the stability of permanent housing and then the additional support services as needed can be wrapped around them. But it all starts with a commitment to ensuring housing as a fundamental human right. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people describe the current moment as in some ways a perfect storm, definitely a perfect storm is not an unexpected storm. Um, but you know, we have right now the continued impact of COVID-19, monkeypox, there's um, the influx of asylum seekers. There are just so many factors that one would think um, exacerbates uh, the housing crisis right now. Uh, could you talk about the state of homelessness in, in New York City at this moment? Yeah, so you're right that there is a confluence of factors that is contributing to all-time record homelessness in New York City. So we don't currently have an easy way of saying the total number of homeless people in New York City is X number because we have several different municipal shelter systems. We also have people who are in private or faith-based shelters. We have an unknown number of people who are sleeping on the streets because we know that the city's point in time estimates are a significant undercount. Um, but even just looking at the city's Department of Homeless Services shelter system, more than 60,000 people are sleeping in that system on any, any given night. And the rate of homelessness, even though it is hitting new records on a daily basis lately because of the factors that you mentioned, it was already hovering near record highs at the onset of the pandemic. We did see a slight decrease in the shelter census as pandemic era protections like the eviction moratoria were enacted. But as those protections have been lifted and as rents have continued to skyrocket it, and as we've also seen more new arrivals to the city, this has all reversed the trends of the slight depression in uh, the shelter census that we had seen earlier in the pandemic. And now we're hitting new records. Um, I also think it's important to note when we talk about homelessness, that so this is a racial justice issue. And about 90% of New Yorkers who are sleeping in the Department of Homeless Services shelter system on any given night are Black and Latinx. And especially Black New Yorkers are significantly overrepresented among the homeless population. And that's not just a fluke. It's not a coincidence. This is because of decades of and centuries, frankly, of systemic racism in our housing policies, the criminal legal system, the education system, the healthcare system. And that means that people who are uh, from marginalized communities are more likely to fall through the safety net and end up without housing. Dismantling Injustice is brought to you by Envision Freedom Fund. Envision Freedom is a New York-based nonprofit organization that works to dismantle the unjust and oppressive immigration and criminal legal systems 
while meeting the critical and most urgent needs of individuals impacted by these systemic injustices in the present. You can learn more about our work by visiting us online at envisionfreedom.org or by following us on social media. You know, I was a public defender for a while and I could always tell, like before I even met a client, we'd get their file and I could always tell when my client was homeless, but it's because they'd have a very thick file and then I'd read the file and it was 70 pages of nothing of Mm -hmm. trespass and, you know, getting arrested and being released um, and sleeping on subways or sleeping in a park, which everyone in the courtroom knew were really them being criminalized simply because of their homelessness, because of their poverty. I was wondering if you could tell us how this has looked in recent years, both in terms in policy, but also in practice. Um, what's been the impact of this criminalization on, on people's actual lives? Yeah, unfortunately, many elected officials, both in New York City and across the country, want to, quote, solve homelessness by pushing it out of sight. And that means that they tend to rely on the criminal legal system and making unsheltered homelessness as hard as possible and trying to force people out of uh, business districts and out of subway trains and out of the view of stably housed people so that people who are more fortunate can be spared the discomfort of, of witnessing poverty. And that completely misdiagnoses the problem. The problem is not that people have to witness homelessness. The problem is that we have tens of thousands of people who are homeless. And that's why these criminal justice responses, or rather the, I don't think there's any justice in the system. So the criminal responses that we see not only waste tax resources, but they also exacerbate the conditions that make it harder for people to transition out of homelessness by giving them a lengthy criminal record, um, by having people cycle between the streets, shelters, jails, and hospitals. And we know what it would actually take to help people move off the streets is a social services response and investments in permanent housing rather than treating unsheltered homelessness like a a public safety issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always, I, you know, I was discussing earlier this year when we'd see elected officials walking by homeless people and literally saying things like, who wants to see this? And it's like, the problem isn't that people shouldn't see it. The problem is that there's a crisis that needs to be solved. Out of sight, out of mind is not a, it's not a policy. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that whenever we or other advocates have critiqued the criminalization of homelessness, especially under the current administration in New York City, um, Mayor Adams has has responded with these straw man arguments saying, I can't believe that these advocates want people to be sleeping on the streets and that they think it's humane for people to be sleeping outdoors surrounded by garbage. And I don't think anyone is actually saying that. We don't want people to be sleeping on the streets, but we don't want their trauma to be exacerbated by a policing system that is just trying to move them along instead of actually giving them a real compassionate pathway off the streets. So we know that if the city were actually offering people single occupancy, low barrier shelters, like safe havens, which have more flexible rules, they don't have curfews, they tend to be more private quarters, 
as well as permanent housing, including supportive housing for people who need it, that would be the most effective way to help people move off the streets. And yet the city has been doubling down on punitive policies like encampment sweeps that we know don't actually work in helping people move off the streets. And in fact, they can make the work of trained outreach workers much harder by pushing people away from services, breaking that trust and displacing people so that outreach teams can't even locate them in the future. Yeah, never mind. They're incredibly inhumane. You know, seeing this on television, police officers throwing away like individuals' lives, literally everything they own is being tossed in a dump truck. That's just, that's inhumane in and of itself. Right, right. I think that sweeps need to be stopped because they are inhumane and exacerbate trauma. But also just from a policy standpoint, they don't address the issue, right? And they're just a waste of resources. So I think from whatever angle you look at sweeps, they're a bad policy. And, and I think that, you know, the administration recently put out data that they had cleared allegedly about 1,500 encampments since they started this new initiative um, in the late winter. And they said that about 104 people accepted services after those sweeps. And of course, they didn't provide data on what kind of services people accepted, whether that meant people went to a shelter, did they remain in shelters, or did they return to the streets. Um, But even if we just said 104 people moved off the streets, that's a really low success rate. If the city were to take all of the resources and the infrastructure that's being used on this punitive criminalization and sweeps, and instead invested it in low barrier shelters and permanent housing, we would see much higher numbers of people coming in off the streets. You took the next question right out of my mouth. Um, I was gonna ask you what we would like to see the Adams administration do to repair this harm. But you know, the second part of that question was, are there ways that we as individuals can get involved in um, interrupting this criminalization? Yeah, I think the most impactful thing is for people to engage with their elected officials about this topic, because I think that even with purportedly progressive council members, sometimes we hear that they they actually like sweeps because it seems like the optics of they're doing something about homelessness. And they say that they get constituent calls all the time about encampments. Um, So I think that if we actually mobilized New Yorkers to engage with elected officials and to say, we don't want sweeps. We know that that's not the right solution to this crisis. Housing is, and we need to be building more low barrier shelters and permanent housing in our district. I think that would actually address the issue. But right now I think that many politicians feel that they don't have the political cover to actually be calling for those kinds of solutions because they they are tempted to just reach for the criminalization tools that might make it seem like they're doing something, even though we all know that it's not effective and are, are harmful and traumatic policies for an already vulnerable population. Um, There are also grassroots groups that are doing support at sweeps, both showing up if there's an announced sweep to monitor the interactions and to help people if they need assistance, you know, packing up their belongings or accessing storage. Um, So people could tap into those grassroots groups. Um, You can you know, a lot of that work is being coordinated through local mutual aid groups because they're really on the ground and know where unsheltered people are in their community and what kind of assistance they might need. So I always encourage people to engage with their local mutual aid groups. 
But then I think, I think simultaneously though, we need a growing chorus of New Yorkers to call for housing and for an end to these sweeps. And, and that means reaching out to your elected officials on a regular basis on these topics. I'm so like, I'm so inspired by your work and the work of Coalition for the Homeless, especially being an organization that uh, in many ways rely on the city and government agencies for funding. Um, and you still, you know, you s- still have the audacity to challenge policy and to really call out racism, call out criminalization, and, you know, be vigorous advocates for the homeless. And so I think that's inspiring. And I really, I wish that um, other organizations like you all took such bold stances um, on behalf of vulnerable communities. Uh, Yeah. And I mean, without getting too in the weeds, like, I think that this is part of the reason why the coalition tries to keep a diversified funding portfolio so that we don't feel like we have to pull punches because we're worried about losing city funding. Right. Um, But also I, I don't want to take credit for our bold stances because we have regular meetings with our client advisory group and I have to report back to them about what I've been saying in the media and what I've been saying in meetings with politicians and we often invite them as well to those meetings to share their stories and they give me such great feedback and they are really empowering us to take these strong stances. Um, you know, I, I'm someone who has been fortunate enough to never actually personally experience homelessness. And that's likely because of my race and my economic status. And I think that it is such a privilege and an honor and, and frankly, a responsibility to be working for an organization that is trying to amplify the needs and concerns of people who are often left out of the conversation. So that's why I'm constantly thinking with any stance that we're taking, what is our client advisory group gonna say about this, right? Like what, what if I can't um, go back to them and, and justify a stance, I'm not going to take it. So um, so I think that we we, we are working as an organization to amplify their own voices more and to really empower people who have been failed by all of these systems to have a seat at the table and to be making these changes. Um, and that's ongoing work. But but yeah, I think there is there is a really robust advocacy community when it comes to homelessness in New York City. And the strongest advocates are people with lived experience. Jacqueline, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Where can folks learn more about Coalition for the Homeless? Yeah, so our website is coalitionforthehomeless.org. We have a wealth of information about homelessness policies, as well as our direct service programs and different resources that people can access for assistance if they need it. So again, coalitionforthehomeless.org, check it out and feel free to reach out to us if people have any questions about how they can get involved. Thanks again for joining us. Dismantling Injustice is brought to you by Envision Freedom Fund, an organization that works to transform the immigration and criminal legal systems while meeting the critical needs of individuals impacted by these systems daily. To learn more about our work and donate, visit us at envisionfreedom.org. That's envisionfreedom.org. Dismantling Injustice was created by Sally Israel. Our executive producer is Abigail Wolf. This podcast is produced and engineered by Yassi Solutions and hosted by Carl Hammett Lipscomb. That's me. Special thanks to the team at Envision Freedom for being amazing. Until we're all free, peace out.